Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome to Equipping You podcast. This is season one and episode six, coming to you live from the extreme western edge of Kansas, also known as the high desert of Colorado Springs, home of the Alliance National Office. I'm Terry. I'm the church ministries leader for the Alliance, and next to me is my good friend. Alan, I am the church planning leader for the Alliance in eastern Pennsylvania. And we also have here today with us, as always, our trusty producer, A.J. Gutierrez. Well, we're jumping right into uh, an important and difficult topic today, I would say, dealing with the issue of pornography, which is pandemic, really, in the uh, culture that we live in, and unfortunately, uh, in the church as well, and even amongst uh, church leaders. Kind of a good follow-up to what yeah. we talked about yesterday with uh, it sure Rob sure is. I think this... Uh, follows up well in our conversation with Rob in our last episode. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, definitely go back and take a listen to that. These two tie together well. Yeah. So uh, we're happy to have with us uh, today Nick Stumbo. If you're from the Alliance, part of the Alliance family, that Stumbo name is familiar. Of course, our president is John Stumbo, and Nick is the uh, nephew of our president. He's been an Alliance pastor and uh, currently serves as the executive director of Pure Desire, which is uh, an organization that's seeking to help people gain and maintain sexual freedom, and specifically uh, helping people who are struggling with pornography, and some who even perhaps may be addicted to pornography. So uh, without further ado, let's uh, jump into this uh, challenging subject and talk to our friend Nick. So we're pleased to welcome Nick Stumbo to Equipping You podcast. Thanks, Nick, for uh, joining us today and uh, letting us uh, ask you some questions. We appreciate it. Yeah, so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. No problem. So we're talking about this uh, subject of uh, sexual purity, specifically uh, freedom in the whole area of pornography. And uh, I've heard your story, uh, Nick, when you were here in January at Chapel, and heard a little bit of it again a few weeks ago, but it's a powerful story, and uh, wondering if you can just uh, share that a little bit in a, maybe perhaps a little bit of a digested version with us so that we uh, understand the journey you've walked and the freedom you've found. Yeah, for sure, and I, you know, appreciate you guys asking the question because I think uh, for so many, this is just a difficult topic to know how to discuss, and so to create some language around this and kind of pull it out of the shadows to say this is something we need to all be able to talk about. Uh, I think that's really, really important. So uh, glad to share a little snapshot of my story here. Uh, I, I grew up with what I would consider kind of the typical Christian man, uh, Christian male struggle with pornography. About 11, 12 years old, I was at a friend's house and was introduced to pornography for the first time. And I knew instinctively about that, that somehow it was secretive and that it felt shameful, that I, I didn't know how to talk about it with my mom and dad, and that I knew there was something in me that was drawn to it. And so very uh, early in life kind of started this push-pull, this hate relationship with pornography that 
um, I, I never really wanted to view it, but would find myself back there every once in a while. And so as I got into high school, you know, found out that a local gas station didn't care what age I was. I could buy a pornographic magazine on occasion. I would usually view it and then throw it away in guilt and shame, kind of this binge purge cycle. Uh, when I got into college, that was really where the internet was coming of age. And so the access and the affordability of pornography just, again, made that temptation even stronger. And like I said, I, I never lived a secret life where I was just acting fine while having all this secret stuff in my life. It was always the last time. It was always I'm done. And so I did with the church what my upbringing had taught me to do, and that was to confess, to confess the struggle so that I would be free. And I did that uh, one night after uh, high school youth group, confessed to my youth leaders, and uh, they were great people. They heard my confession. They forgave. They offered grace. They offered words of wisdom. And then they sent me on my way to uh, live a changed life, I guess, which um, because nothing inside of me had changed, nothing in my patterns had changed. Um, I wasn't able to maintain that purity for very long and found myself back in the behavior. And and then the shame is double because you feel like, well, now people know, but they don't know I'm still struggling. And so now I feel like I'm hiding from them and just continue to to battle and believe that as I battled with it, you know, I've had accountability friends in college and you feel like every step of the way, it's, it's going to get better. It's going to go away. Um, I'm just going to mature my way out of it. So continued that pattern of confession um, as I got engaged, you know, told my wife everything, wanted her to know up front what I was dealing with. And, you know, she asked me as we were engaged, well, why can't you just promise me you'll never do it again? And I remember saying to her that night, this, you know, beautiful gal that I was totally in love with and ready to spend my life with. I said, I, I want to make that promise, but I feel like I know myself too well, that I've made promises like that. And I end up doing it again. And so I'm going to try really hard and I'm going to do my best, but I don't feel like I can promise you it'll never happen again. Um, and what scares me looking back is that that wasn't to me a red flag of, wow, this is a serious issue that I might really need to address. I just continued in that trying harder to battle it and not have it happen, but uh, it continued into our marriage. And uh, at the 10 year mark, um, my periodic confessions to her had really destroyed the fabric of our relationship. It had deteriorated trust and she was at a point of being ready to be done, not because she necessarily hated me, but because she hated the way this made her feel, the pain that it caused, and the sense for her that it was never going to change. And so it was around that time, about eight years ago, uh, that we were at a district conference where our district had brought in Pure Desire. And they offered a plan uh, for pastors who were struggling to get help. And if it didn't include um, anything illegal, if our struggle didn't cross lines with other people, that they wanted to help us find freedom and be able to keep our jobs. So even with all the pain that was in my life at that time, I was still in a lot of denial and minimization saying like, you know, I don't need this. I had my arms crossed and I thought, I hope the guys that really struggle are listening to this because this sounds like a great plan. Uh, but, but fortunately by God's providence, my wife was also with me at that conference. And I say fortunately because she only came to probably one out of every three and but she happened to be at this one and she heard that same appeal and when I looked over at her, her eyes were, you know, as big as saucers. And I saw a look in them that I hadn't seen in a long time. And that was hope that we would change. And so um, I thought, huh, I think I'm going to get to go meet Dr. Ted Roberts. And so we went from there into a year of counsel and being in groups, myself as the one struggling and her for spouses that had been hurt and betrayed. And we found uh, the process to be incredibly life-changing, far beyond what I expected. You know, I, I went into it thinking I've got a problem, a behavior that just needs to change. 
And what we discovered is that this was actually a symptom of much deeper problems. And in the process with pure desire, we were able to address really the roots, the things that were driving the behavior that led to real lasting change. And then uh, at the end of that year, with our district's uh, support and with the Council of Pure Desire, I disclosed publicly to our congregation, to a CMA church there in Washington, confessed that I hadn't been perfect in this area, that I'd been addicted, and that God was doing a new work. And then we invited people in the church to join us in that process as we started groups for men and women. Uh, and over the next five years uh, in starting groups for men and women, we just saw it be the most life-changing ministry that our church ever had, uh, as it really saved couples, uh, rescued men out of addictions, and really actually became the best leadership training we ever did because so many people would find freedom in those groups and then become fully engaged in the life and mission of our church. And so it was um, really just a wonderful thing that God did. And it was awesome to see how our story and our pain God used for good and uh, led to freedom in the lives of so many others. Uh, so, you know, that's the really quick snapshot of the last, you know, 35 years of our lives, but that's, uh, that's where we're at now. Yeah, we appreciate the vulnerability, and I think that's a helpful story we for sure do, a man. lot of people to hear. And I, I'm guessing that's a really common story, but with the missing ingredient of hope for some people. And uh, that's why we wanted to have you here yeah. today. Yeah, I think we're left believing we have to just battle it on our own because we feel like in ministry in particular, if I'm honest about it, I could lose my job and my career. And that's the only thing I'm good at. So we feel like we have no choice but to battle it silently. And that's actually why it continues, because this really isn't something we can uh, that we can change alone. It's not something we can win without significant support of others around us. Yeah. Why don't you tell us, uh, what are the stats right now of uh, pastors and church members in relation to pornography? Yeah, unfortunately right now, you know, it's not a pretty picture and many listeners might already expect that, but some of the stats we're seeing come from uh, some research that Josh McDowell did along with the Barna Institute put out in a little book called The Porn Phenomenon. Uh, they found that 57% of pastors uh, and 64% of youth pastors admitted to having struggled with pornography uh, either currently or at some time in their life. Um, so that may have been a past struggle, but still to consider over half the pastors in our churches have had some kind of struggle with this. Through research that Pure Desire has done, we find that between 68 and 70% of men would say that they have some kind of sexually compulsive behavior in their life, meaning there's some area of sexuality that they enter into, but wish they could change. And that number for women is about 20 to 30, 25 to 30% of women in the church have the same kind of sexually compulsive behaviors. Um, and then other you know, data coming out says right now in our country, one out of three people are accessing pornography monthly or more. So, you know, think about that, something impacting 33% of all people in our country, um, and that's an issue with pornography. So it's, it's a pretty major issue. And, and I look at it to say, boy, even if stats, because stats, you know, only go so far, but I feel like even if they're only half right, what a, what a statement of, of where we're at as a church yeah. and as a culture. Yeah, for sure. You talked about, uh, Nick, this being an area of kind of, it's kind of a hush-hush area, secret, you know, undercover. So what, what are some of the misunderstandings that, the, that might exist in the church about this issue? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Uh, you know, one of the things we find a lot in our work at Pure Desire here is that a lot of churches still want to just help the men, uh, which is great, but we want to be clear to say this isn't just a man's problem. As you just heard in those stats, 25 to 30% of women in the church battling their own addictive issues 
the fastest growing demographic of people consuming pornography is actually college-age women. Hmm. That doesn't mean they're the largest demographic, but it's growing faster than any other age group. Wow. Um, so it's really something that's impacting men and women, and we need to be sure to approach it as this is a people problem, not a man's problem. Otherwise, women can feel double shame. Um, you know, some other things I'm seeing in the church is I think we still approach this that it's a belief problem, that people don't believe the right things about sexuality and God. And if, if they just understood God's plan and why this is wrong and why they shouldn't do it, if, if they had right beliefs, they would change their behavior. And I have found overwhelmingly the people that I work with in groups that have come to Pure Desire that we speak to, um, I would say 100% of them, they believe the right things. They believe it's wrong. They don't want it in their life. They wish they could get rid of it, but they can't seem to to remove themselves from that behavior. So uh, to just preach out of like a belief problem is is one of the misconceptions or misunderstandings. And, and along with that can be the belief in the church that people just need to choose to stop. Now, we do have to make choices. We do have to take responsibility for our behavior. But to say what people just they just need to choose to stop really ignores a lot of things about what happens, that this behavior is literally changing the way our brain functions and that there are pathways in our brain that are um, being reinforced by the chemicals that are released. And to just tell someone to choose to stop can be a very, very difficult process. You add to that that typically any kind of problematic behaviors become a way that we deal with pain in life. And that goes all the way back into our childhood and messages we've learned to believe about ourselves add to that a very addictive environment or culture around us and the yeah. patterns we've learned and telling someone to just choose to stop would be a little bit like telling a guy that works at a bar to never drink again. You'd say, well, that guy's going to have almost zero chance of success if he's continuing in that environment and all those patterns. And to, to tell someone they just need to choose to stop is similar. There's so many other things going on. And and then the last thing that I'd say that you may be heard in my story is we, we can view confession as the goal. Well, if people would just get this into the light and confess it, they'll be free. And I, man, I wish to God that was true because I would have been free, you know, 50 times over. Uh, the truth is confession is not the goal. Confession is the starting point. Confession is what gets us going on the journey, but it's only the first step. That after confession, there need to be a number of things we do uh, afterwards. And, and the other thing I'd add to that just about confession, I think a, a misunderstanding is with confession that we need to go home and confess everything to our wives. And while it's true that our wives do need to know, there's a way in which that encouragement actually becomes a kind of emotional vomiting where someone goes out and just, uh, they lay it all out in the relationship and think it's helping when actually they tend to only share enough of the truth to get it out there. Um, and they really leave the mess with their spouse to clean up without any real plan of change. And hmm. so, yes, confession is needed to our spouse, but we find it's much healthier to first confess to other men, you know, if, if you're a guy. And to find some growth, to find some healing so that as you get truthful in your marriage, it's actually along with some change and confession happening the right way. So that, that's just a real quick overview of some of the, the misunderstandings, I think, that are taking place around pornography and sexual purity. Well, yeah. let's pick it up there. Uh, so somebody has confessed or wants to confess. So they're at that beginning point. Where does uh, Pure Desire come in to help churches and leaders take steps toward healing and wholeness in this area? Yeah, as someone confesses, you know, really the next step is to help them find a group of people, of peers, of people of the same gender that are on that same journey with them. And really the heart and soul of what we do as a ministry is to come alongside local churches and try to train and equip them to run healing groups for men and women in their church. 
And it's one of the things I love about Pure Desire is that those aren't Pure Desire groups. They're your church's groups that happen to be using Pure Desire's approach or Pure Desire's material. But the local church really takes ownership because that's where this battle has to be won is, is places where men can be with other men and women with other women. And we're very comprehensive in our approach. So we're able to have groups for men who struggle and women who struggle, uh, groups for women who are feeling betrayed or men who are feeling betrayed, uh, groups for teenagers, for single adults. It, it's really having a church say, we need to get our arms around this problem and recognize how it's impacting so many people. And we need to start these life-changing groups. And so that's really the, the thrust of what we do. And, and then along with that, we have a team of counselors that for many people, we find uh, that for about 30% of people on this journey, they're going to need some level of counseling uh, to find lasting freedom. Just because the nature of this uh, behavior, it can be so deep, it can be so ingrained that we need uh, professionals that can sit with us and talk through it. So uh, that's a lot of what we do. It's helping start groups, it's providing counseling, and then we're just, we're there to be the coach, to be the mentor, to help provide best practices and troubleshoot because for most churches and leaders, this is an area they're not very familiar with. And yet this is what we deal with all the time. So we're there to coach and mentor and, and provide training events. Uh, we do training events around the country to help people engage in this process of how to start groups, how to run groups. And um, we just we want to really empower churches to be uh, the focal point of winning this battle, because we believe when that happens, the tide will really shift. Wow. Thank you. That's good stuff. Yeah, really good. So, Nick, what if a pastor or leader or anyone who's listening to the Equipping You podcast today finds themselves caught in the snare of pornography? They don't want to be there. They're feeling the shame and guilt of it. They want to begin to pursue freedom. What first steps would you advise as he or she seeks to move toward freedom? I think hopefully as people are hearing in my story, it's that we do need confession. We do need accountability, but again, that those are only starting points. And I think that's that's maybe something we need to acknowledge in the church because by and large, at least in my experience in growing up years, that's how the church sought to combat this issue. Well, you need accountability and you need confession. Um, and if you do that, you'll be free. And it's like, well, I, I did that as best as I knew how. And so it's, it's partnering with that. Yes, accountability and confession, but then really looking at how could I get into a group? And so, you know, we have peer desire groups that meet in over 500 churches all over the country. And then we also have a number of online groups. Uh, and then we regularly work with people to start a group. If they say to us, I need a group. My church needs a group. There's nothing. It's like, well, let's help you start because really the, the material and the resources that the group use can be the teacher and the people going through the group don't need to be the expert in this area. So you, you don't need to wait until there's some expert to lead you to freedom. You can get a hold of the resources uh, for men. It's called Seven Pillars of Freedom, that getting that resource kit, even if someone's listening to this and struggling and saying, boy, where do I start? I'd encourage them to grab that resource because the seven pillars of freedom will give them something to start working through that, that does more than try harder. It really begins to train them. What does freedom look like? What are the issues in my life I'm going to need to face? Um, and then to find a group of others to go through that with, whether it's an already existing group that might be in your church or in your church, um, or if it's going to be joining an online group or maybe starting a group. Um, and then for others, you know, looking into, I, I may need counseling to get free of this. So just be willing to, to tackle it in more of a, hey, I'm going to deal with this one time. Because I think, honestly, that's really our temptation in this area is we want to deal with it quicker and faster and easier. Like we just, we don't want to have to think about it too much. Just tell me how to get over it. 
but you consider that for most of us, if this is in our life, it's a pattern that's developed over decades. And so to think that we can just, you know, with a couple of steps, be rid of it is maybe some unrealistic thinking. We've, we've got to be willing to enter into a process of really changing the way we do life, changing the way our brain functions, changing the way we think. It, it really is, you know, it's the practical application of Romans 12, 1 and 2, where we read about being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And, and we all love that verse, but you, you wonder, what does it mean to renew our mind? Is it meditating on God's word? Yes. But how is it transforming us that it has to be an ongoing routine of God's word, of truth, of accountability, of understanding where this behavior comes from. And over time, that renewing of my mind, changing the way I think does transform my life. But if you've ever tried to change the way you think about anything, you probably have found it doesn't happen fast. It, it takes time. And so that might be the biggest thing I would encourage any listener to is just to have an honest moment with yourself to recognize this might take more work than I ever expected to get free, mm. but it will probably be more worth it than I ever anticipated because that's totally my experience. I, uh, when I got this invitation from our district to get some help, you know, I wanted it to be quick and easy. And I was like, you know, just, just show me a couple of tips here. I'm sure I'll be fine. Give me some tools to use. And when they said it, you know, I needed to be in group and counseling for a year, you know, I about fell out of my chair. It was like a year talking about pornography. You've got to be kidding me. Like, what could we possibly talk about for so long? But a lot of that was just because I didn't understand the process. I didn't understand how much was playing into this behavior. And I didn't understand how deep the group uh, was going to take me. Uh, one of the things I routinely will say is, you know, as part of my pastoral training, I went to seminary and I did it while I was still um, doing ministry. And so it took me about five years to work through a program at uh, the university I went to. And I look at that investment of time and the five years it took, and then the year of investment I made in this process of freedom and change with pure desire. And that one year had far more of a transformational effect in my life than five years in seminary did. Wow. And the five years in seminary were great. But it, it's just to compare kind of the magnitude of, of what I went through, really, it went to the core of of who I was and how I did life. And because of that, it changed me in ways that, you know, my seminary education never did. And so I just offer that to anyone that's maybe they're hearing me talk and they're thinking, I'll just read a book. I'm, I'm, I'm sure if I read a good book on this, I'll probably be okay. Or, Hey, I've listened to this podcast. I'm going to be all better now. <laughs> of course. I, I hope that's true because that would save you a ton of energy and time. Uh, but if your experience is anything like mine, you'll find you've, you've got to invest and engage at a deeper level. And there's something in you that probably doesn't want to. But if you'll, if you'll face that fear and say, I, I'm, I really am willing to do whatever it takes to be free, um, and you'll engage in a process of change, it's, it's unlike anything I've ever experienced. Well, I think I'd like to give you, have you give some encouragement to pastors about living in freedom in this area. And I think in one of the ways you might be able to do that is if you could take a minute or so and just unpack some of those other ways that it helped you beyond the exact issue of sexual freedom, because that's powerful what you're saying about that year being so impactful in your life. Yeah. So what I was able to identify, you know, so much of my core issues came about performance in order to find value, that if I performed well, then I was loved. And if I didn't perform well, that fear that I wouldn't be loved or I would be rejected, you know, that permeated so many areas of my life. And so anytime there's that negative thinking of I'm not doing well enough, I'm not succeeding, uh, what happens with pornography is it provides a momentary relief or a sense of I'm perfect, I'm desirable, I feel good, 
And even though that acting out, that moment can be followed by an avalanche of guilt and shame, that little bit of reward is what your brain latches onto. And the interesting thing that we try to help people understand is God actually designed your brain that way. He designed your brain to, to seek uh, rewards and to avoid punishment. And it's, I mean, it's basic human behavior that's kept us alive and made sure we don't kill ourselves off with stupidity, that, that we avoid pain and we seek out pleasure. Well, you can see how sin and Satan could hijack that very system. And when we're feeling down about ourselves or like we're not good enough, we don't measure up. I, I would say that probably 90% of the men I work with have some kind of relentless voice in their head trying to tell them they'll never measure up or they'll never be good enough. And what does pornography do? Pornography says you're good enough. You measure up. And so that feeling is what really becomes uh, addictive or problematic. And so the, the symptom of pornography won't change if that thinking is still ingrained in your head that, that I've got to perform well to be loved. And the, the challenge is most of us don't know how, I mean, we know it's there. That's what I always say is I knew that thought pattern was there. I just didn't know where it came from or what to do about it. And walking through the group process and the counseling really helped me look into my own life to see how my stories my family of origin, even fairly innocent things. You know, I, I didn't grow up in an environment where I was deeply hurt or abused or, you know, there weren't all these horrible things about my parents, but just in the nature that we're all raised by imperfect people, I had internalized some messages about my value and worth that as long as those messages were there, it was going to lead to behaviors like pornography. And so uh, that's what really I think shifted was getting some footholds to see where do these thoughts come from and how do I replace them with God's truth that helps me see my value doesn't come from my performance. My identity is not linked to success. And again, I, I knew a lot of those things to be true, but I had to figure out ways to experience them at a deeper level so that I could really change and sustain that change. That's great. So yeah. can you leave our uh, pastors with some ways they can help each other live with freedom in this area? You know, I, I think that's a great question. You know, I was a pastor for 15 years, and one of the things I would encourage pastors is to consider how can we create a culture of conversation around this topic? Because I think for so many, this is still somewhat taboo. It's hidden. It's shameful. We'll, we'll talk openly about our souls. We can talk about burnout, discouragement, struggle, and everyone's like, yeah, we'll pray for you. But, but to really have environments where it's safe to say I'm battling lust and specifically pornography and other behaviors like I didn't experience much of that and so I think with one another we've got to get to a place to just say we are sexual beings you know that, that's kind of the irony of this our sexuality is God's design and we're not trying to stop being sexual beings we're just trying to be healthy sexual beings in a way that honors God and I don't think we can do that unless we learn to have a culture of conversation around this where we become fluent in the language of sexuality um, even using the phrase sexual discipleship, you know, we have to think about wow. how do we mature in hmm. Christ sexually? And I think as pastors, we play a role in that for one another, because there is some safety that I can talk to another pastor about this issue much, much easier, much easier than I can talk to someone in my church. And so having people that just, we begin these conversations and not that we're accepting the behavior. We're not trying to create acceptance. We're trying to create grace. You know, acceptance yes. is acting like the behavior is okay. Grace is recognizing the behavior is wrong, but but we can deal with it. We can have openness and and the ability to to dialogue together. Yeah, the other thing I think about, I you know, I told my story of going to seminary. The whole reason I was willing to go to seminary is because I had another a number of other pastors in my life who spoke to its value, who said this would be worth it. 
you should go for it. Yeah, it'll take you time. It'll take you money, but you'll be glad you did it. And I just wonder how we could be that voice in the life of those who are struggling or just for one another. Because as I'm saying earlier, I think we all battle feeling I can do this easier or quicker. It doesn't have to be that hard. And we need people in our lives that say, you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it to tackle this and to go after it, even if it takes you a year or two, like don't run away from that. And so just to be that voice of encouragement to one another when when someone is sharing about an issue to to not just play it off like, oh, yeah, you know, go try harder. Thanks for telling me. But to really be that voice of encouragement to say, man, how could I encourage you to go after this and do whatever it takes to get free of it? Because as as we all know, this this is a sin that that it wants to take us further than we ever thought we'd go. And it, it's probably the single greatest um, danger to our career and our calling if it goes unaddressed. And so as pastors, to be that voice of one another, just saying, man, run after this with whatever with whatever it takes. And I'm here for you. I want to support you. I want to encourage you. I'm praying for you. And, and let's not leave this alone until God's done a work of setting you free and bringing real transformation. You know, and then as, as we do that, hopefully what it translates into is as we become comfortable in the conversation with one another, then we can become comfortable in the conversation with our congregations and learning to talk in this way with our people. Because if we're not able to talk about it as pastors, we're certainly not going to be able to lead our congregations how to talk about it. So I, I think that's yeah, the cultural transformation that needs to take place. And as we change the way we dialogue with one another, I think we can really bring this conversation into the church because I believe with all my heart, the church is the hope of the world, but this is an area we cannot afford to be silent about any longer. And, and we need to talk about it, but not just talk about it in a thou shalt not kind of way, yeah. but talk about it to say there's hope and there's freedom. And, and we're, we're pointing the way uh, to that freedom. Great. Thanks, Nick. Great words. Hey, give us a couple of resources real quick. Uh, your Pure Desire website. I know you've written one or two books. Give us those titles and where we can, where our listeners can find those uh, resources. Sure. Thank, you know, thanks for moments for a little bit of self-promotion. <laughs> um, yeah, puredesire.org, a great resource uh, to find all our books. We do a weekly podcast and blog. Uh, I wrote my story called Setting Us Free. Uh, Setting Us Free is on the website. It's also on Amazon. Um, and in Setting Us Free, I, I try to tell my story. But more than that, I started out really, really skeptical. And I needed to see where all of this was in the Bible, that it wasn't just some kind of psychotherapy thing. And so in my book, I really try to process my story, but more importantly, how is this God's story for all of us? So that's right. setting us free. And then I, I wrote a second book called Safe, uh, Creating a Culture of Grace and a Climate of Shame, and just trying to outline what does it look like to move our culture towards a place where we talk openly and honestly about everything and, and are a place of healing and hope. So you can find Safe uh, and Setting Us Free on our website, as well as all of our small group materials for men, women, teens, young adults. Um, and, you know, we're here to, like I said a couple of times, we're here to be a coach and a mentor. So if you've got questions, let us know. If, if you need to just talk to someone about, boy, should I consider counseling? You know, we do free consultations all the time. So there's just a number That's of good. resources we can provide, right. whether someone's at the point of needing it for themselves personally where they want to reach out to figure out what can we do as a church and everything in between. Uh, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks so much, Nick. We really appreciate you being with us today. You've uh, said a lot of uh, very helpful things and we're trusting that God's going to use what you've said today to help a lot of people. God bless you as yeah. you continue in this ministry. Thanks, Amen. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, Nick. Yeah. Appreciate it. Well, thanks uh, equipping you listeners, podcast listeners. we 
appreciate your uh, attention to this topic today. March 7th, Nick Stumbo will be with us for equipping you live. Uh, eventually, the registration for that will be up, should be up right now, in fact, at equipping you. That's the word equipping, the letter U.org. Free registration, two hour webinar that uh, you can be a part of. And uh, we hope you'll do that. You got a little taste of the kind of help that Nick can provide uh, today. Sure. And absolutely, please subscribe to this uh, podcast. Uh, We would love to have you as a regular listener and share this on social media. As we heard from Nick, this is a a podcast episode that a lot of people need to gain some hope from uh, to be delivered from the shame. And so share this around. Uh, That also helps us, too, to make our podcast get to more listeners. So thank you very much. Yep. We appreciate you listening and uh, telling others that you're listening so that they will listen. Join us next time. Meanwhile, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.